Our economy is crashing. Inflation is out of control. Why are conservatives bad, Mommy? Because I thought we were supposed to conserve. <laughs> They'd actually breathe in my nostrils to make me move. Russia has joined with China. Okay. <laughs> the USA is a mess. This is not real. It's just a dream. Please, please, wake up. Yeah, wake up. Wake up. Welcome to the Speaking Out edition for Wednesday. I am JR, and I am joined by my good friend and associate, David uh, Masters, who has written a book about getting, basically freeing your mind from mass formation psychosis. And, and, you know, there is a story today. uh, I should say that David is also a, uh, I guess you could say an on-air therapist. You've you've done many, many years of hosting an advice program where you give people advice on how to, you know, navigate through life. So there's that. So that's why I wanted to bring you on today to talk about mental health and also about LGBTQ, because I started to talk yesterday, uh, for those who caught the show, that LGBTQ is more or less a religion at this point. And it's a good case to make that maybe the government should stay out of religion, because they're uh, overseas, everywhere, they're, they're promoting this LGBTQ ideology. In fact, in a news report today, the Japanese are complaining about the ambassador, Rahm Emanuel, who is over there stirring things up, trying to pressure the Japanese into being more open about LGBTQ. And I think what that means is they want rainbow flags and pride flags all over Tokyo. And the, the, the people in Japan are saying, no, that's not, we're not into that. That's not our thing. And it got me to think about, you know, what is our insistence with pressuring countries to uh, change their moral structure by getting them to tolerate LGBTQ, especially when they see it over here and how now it's sort of morphed into a transgenderism for children. And people are starting to get really pissed off about this. They're really starting to realize that, man, these people, if you don't stop them, they're just going to destroy the fabric of America. So I want to I want to talk to you, David, about that, and I know that you're an expert on, you know, human affairs. So welcome to the program. It's good to have you back. Uh, it's great to be here, Jim. Thank you very much. I always enjoy our time together. Me too. We talk uh, a lot off, and and it's always enjoyable. It's like oh, I sh- we should record this. This is a great segment. Anyway, yeah. well, so now tell me uh, first of all, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing fantastical. Well, that's even better than than uh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, fantastical. I like yes. that. Yes, uh, you're paying attention to all the mayhem that's going on this uh, this week. Is today I really felt that people are really upset about the Durham report. They're upset about uh, you know finding out that the Biden crime family has been up to no good for a long, long time. A lot of people are implicated in this, going all the way to Obama. I mean, the proverbial feces is going to hit the fan if it's not already. What, what's your take on first the Durham report and then also the Biden crime family? Look, the Durham report is uh, kind of too little too late. And that's that's the travesty of it. it. It could have come out years ago. It could have saved Trump and the conservative movement a lot of heartache. And uh, he just kind of, you know, slow peddled it. Uh, and so, yeah, everybody knew that this was a big joke, that everybody was accusing Russia of uh, Russia, uh, Trump of Russia collusion. 
Uh, it ne never happened. And as a matter of fact, I believe they discovered that Russia was meddling in our elections, even more so through this report. So, you know, and, and I want to go back to the, the comment that you made about um, the LGBTQ BLT push. Mm -hmm. You know, um, on May 3rd in Boston, they had their annual Satan Con. Yeah. And, you know, you know if, if you look at what they do at the Satan Con, uh, and of course, these are Satan worshipers. If you look at what they do, it's almost identical to what the Biden administration and his cabal are doing. So the only difference is they don't put on weird costumes and we don't know what they do behind closed doors. I'm telling you that these people who are running this country into the ground and they're trying to peddle their insanity overseas, these people are perfectly aligned with the Satanists. And, you know, and I've made jokes with other people that I've talked to. I said, you know what we should do? Rather than sacrifice our children's genitals and their innocence, we should just have a movable volcano where people could come and toss their kids into the volcano as a sacrifice to Baal. Because mm -hmm. that's where we're at right now. This is the human sacrifice of abortion. It, it is tr truly a human sacrifice. Let's not mince words here. Th this is a, a group of people that is anti-human. Got that right. They're they're yeah. they're no, they're actually exalted human is what they are. They are exalting their own humanism above yeah. all morality. The what I what I've determined is that the LGBTQ is a religion. It is a religion that has an obsession with self over everything else. The self determines reality. It's no longer objective reality, it's the reality that you want it to be and everybody has to acquiesce to your version of reality hence we have now people who want to be called certain pronouns they want to be identified people are losing their jobs for using the wrong pronouns i mean a little eight-year-old kid comes up to you and says okay i know my name was johnny yesterday but today it's susie and starting right now you're going to start calling me susie or you're going to get fired now when i went to school they would have sent me to the principal's office i would have had to bend over and he probably spanked my ass about three or four times and then sent me back. Now, if they did that, it'd probably be because the principal was enjoying it as a little joke. But You know, uh, on that note, a yeah. Massachusetts middle schooler and his family are suing Nichols Middle School for allegedly violating this little boy's First Amendment rights after he was told to remove a shirt which had the phrase, there are only two genders written on it. So they can have all their gay pride and all the rest of it, all their rainbows and all their all their strange virtue signaling and in the classroom, on the walls, all over the kids, multicolored hair, even nose rings, whatever, abortions on demand. But this little kid can't be allowed to wear a shirt that says there are only two genders. Well, here's the science of that, folks. And all of their science is a bunch of bunk and it's all made up. It's all it's all mental illness science. There are only two genders. That's the truth. Yeah, you know, you can be, you can have pride, but you can't be proud. <laughs> well, wait a minute, because I, I tend to, to follow the Bible. Yeah. And you know, the Bible warns, pride goeth before the fall. Well, we've seen that. I mean, if you want to, if you wanted to take a worst idea, and turn it into a religion, pride is it. I mean, I'm sorry. It is the it's religion just... of pride. That's what it is. Yes, it's it is. everything. <laughs> but I make the point. It's okay. You, you can have pride, but you can't be proud because. Every time I hear proud, it's proud boys or the proud patriots. And that's a no-no. You can't be proud of your country, but you can have pride. I think we should all wear shirts that just say, I like penis and I like vagina. And then everything is cleared up. 
And we all know right away where we stand on all issues. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily identify, you know, your proclivities. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the weird part is all of this is about sexual preferences. You know, your preferences are, and I used to have arguments with people that are good friends of mine that are gay. I say, why would you want to define yourself by your sexuality? It just seems like that's one aspect of your personality. Why are you making it everything? Because we do. I mean, listen, this is a, a fact of life. It's a, Rush would say, one of the under, undeniable truths of life. You are defined by whether you're a man or a woman. End of story. If there are 280 different ways of looking at that, that goes into pure, I call it peak insanity. It is peak insanity to think that you can say, you know, I'm a zebra, antelope, watermelon uh, sexual type. You know, I mean, that's crazy. It's crazy stuff. I would say that is the definition of crazy. Uh, <laughs> The new report out today from Gallup, uh, depression rates reaching new highs. Gee, I wonder why. Yeah. Every day they wake up and they, and I mean, I was just flipping through. I think part of this is that we've all become flippers. All we do, every adult now gets up and I assume that I'm not the only one that sits there and scrolls through my favorite news sites, flipping around, trying to get a gauge on what's happening. But overall, it's very, usually very triggering and very depressing. So it, it's no surprise to me that the uh, adults in this country are, are, are more and more depressed. What is disturbing to me is that this all seems like a setup for the big pharma to come in and say, well, we can help you. And I want to talk about that. I think that we are over-medicating to the point where we are killing the soul of America. And I think it's, if you, you you're, you're in a rural area, I'm in a kind of a city area. But I'm not in L.A. and I'm not in Seattle, but I hear it, it's like hell. It's like Dante's Inferno now, yeah. you know, wherever you go in big cities. Well, let's talk about that because, you see, most people don't understand the nature of depression. Um, and as you mentioned, I have been doing this for 40 years. And the, the research actually bears out what I've been telling people for all those years, which is, that they define depression as a chemical imbalance. Well, okay, so there are many kinds of, of reasons why you might end up with a chemical imbalance, but there's another component, and that is the spiritual component. And when you are angry all the time and you don't see a way out, eventually that anger turns within, and this is when depression takes its toll. Because it's one thing to be angry on the outside. You see these people with all the tattoos, the MMA fighter crowds, you know, the, the, the proud boys are angry with what, what's happening to our country. The gays are angry of what because they think they've been deprived of something. But the anger, once it is not able to be funneled out, outside of you, it turns within. And then that anger that wants to wreak havoc on what it is that you're reacting to wreaks havoc on you, and it wants to kill you. It wants to see you dead. And that anger, by the way, is an alternate identity. We all have, you know, like in the old um, Walt Disney, Donald Duck uh, uh, cartoons, uh, one an angel on one shoulder and uh, a demon on the other. I, I think it's absolutely true. I think that we live in a spiritual world in which we are surrounded by um, unseen forces. You know, the Bible says we struggle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers. The people who are doing these crazy things to our country, you can't hate them. You really have to step back and see that they can't help themselves. We'll talk more about that. Oh, I pretty much hate them all. I mean, I'm I'm at that point now where 
You know, I love people, but I hate humanity. I, I think I'm not alone on that one. Anyway, stay tuned where David Masters is with me. This is Speaking Out America. I'm JR, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to The Machine. No, I'm welcome back to Speaking Out America. I am JR, and I do have to give some of attention to this story that came out. It is a detailed story. Uh, as we get closer and closer to the truth, now three years since the COVID pandemic started, and Senator Marco Rubio has released several hundred pages reporting on the origins of COVID-19 and revealing details on the Wuhan lab. 700-page report detailing the involvement of Americans, detailing the involvement of certain groups in the United States, particularly Eco Alliance, uh, Fauci's involvement. This is a, a, a very detailed report and what it essentially says is that the Chinese were well aware they were working with different pathogens and there was some genetic airing, uh, uh, genetic splicing involved. They were playing around in the lab with spike proteins. And while we didn't hear about it till end of December, beginning of January, the pandemic actually started as early as August. And that's interesting because I remember I had relatives who had come from, it was Germany. They had just come back from visiting their parents in Germany and they were sick. They just had these really nasty colds. They just couldn't shake. Anyway, we didn't pay much difference to it until we saw them again in November because then we had, I think at that time, there were 300 cases in the United States of COVID and we were all having Thanksgiving dinner. I, I remember the conversation as if it was yesterday. And the two people that had come back from Germany were still sick. Anyway, so we come to find out that during the time when COVID apparently escaped from the lab is when Beijing or Wuhan was actually having a special Chinese Olympics, big sporting event. And people were coming from all over the world. They were coming from Germany and Belgium. And essentially what it sounds to me is that those were the super spreaders. At the very beginning, there may have been 800. They looked at satellite photos uh, determining how many cars were actually parked in the hospital parking lots around Wuhan. And they said there was an exponential growth of, of a period from about September through October, November, and the Chinese suddenly went dark. I guess I didn't know this, but uh, medical biotech engineers around the world do communicate. They do things. They share knowledge with, with, each, with each other. They update each other on things that are being discovered in the lab. Sort of a community of global scientists that work together. And it's all cloud-based. And they even work with, with scientists in China. It's, uh, I, it's an open source sort of arrangement that they have. Well, around the time in December, all communications from in Wuhan stopped. Suddenly there was no access to that information chain. It was as if the Chinese had withdrawn into themselves because they knew they were sitting on a pandemic and they just didn't want anybody to know about it. Meanwhile, you have these athletes coming into Wuhan and then leaving and going back to their own countries spreading this this pandemic you could not it, it's like right out of 12 monkeys except in the case 
of 12 monkeys, it was one man who went and infected all these different countries. In this case, it was the Chinese allowing unfettered entrance and exiting of foreign visitors, sending them back. Now, the question is, how much did Xi know about this Xi Jinping? And did he intentionally do it? Did he intentionally use those airplanes coming out of Hubei, Hubei International? And I think there's some study that was like 100,000 people leaving or coming in or going through that airport every single day. And you multiply that by a month or two months. And that's why we started to see the virus popping up in places like Iran, places like Belgium, where there were huge uh, contracts that involved hundreds or at least dozens of Chinese workers. And then, of course, you've got the athletes. So we all know now with almost uh, unqualified certainty that the virus came from a lab in Wuhan, BSL-4, and that American organizations were involved in funding and the Chinese were involved in trying to make a pathogen. And that all comes in this 700-page report sponsored by Marco Rubio, Senator Marco Rubio. Not a whimper anywhere in the news about it at all. It's, it's as if we've washed our hands and we don't want to deal with it anymore. The pandemic is over. They're starting to pay people now, back pay. It, I tell you, at the time it was all going on and I was observing all the news, it was clear to me that so many people were making so many mistakes that were resulting in the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people up and down the chain. And I said then, when all of it was happening, one day, this is going to be such a horrible uh, memory that we're just going to block it out. We won't talk about it anymore. We're in, people are, are starting to realize just how much ineptitude there was. And it's, it's hard to fathom that so many people had their head in the sand and just did what they were told. I think the, the power structures realized that people were far easier to control than they expected. And, you know, when you think about the fact that we have the Durham report, which basically uh, eliminates Trump of any wrongdoing. And in fact, it does more to implicate Obama and Biden. And yet there's no outrage. Same with the Biden uh, bank records that were unveiled last week from from Comey. No outrage. It's as if half this country is walking around in a drunken stupor, and they absolutely refuse to admit any wrongdoing. And they just want to continue to pretend that the government that is controlling them is doing just fine. Just like with Biden, just moments ago, saying the border, eh, no problem. So to be continued, but congratulations to Marco Rubio for putting in the extra effort and getting to the bottom of it. And it's just, it's it's both dramatic, awe-inspiring, and and devastatingly disappointing. It is a scourge on so-called civilization, in my opinion. All right, so David Faber is now on my I Do Not Watch list. Who is David Faber? Let me tell you who David Faber is. He's the guy that interviewed Elon Musk. I'm a big fan of Elon Musk. I like Elon. I don't care what anybody says about him. I may not agree with everything he says, but I don't agree with most of what anybody says. 
Uh, but that, but I like the fact that he has the courage to say things. And he got sort of chided by David Faber over at CNBC. And I, and I kept thinking to myself, who the hell do you think you are, David? This guy over, over here that you're interviewing can run circles around you. Nobody even knows who you are. How long have you been on CNBC anyway? How come you don't have your own show? How come you're always co-hosting, right? I mean, David Faber, is, how dare he try to humiliate? So so the, the point that he asked him about Biden, listen to this interchange. Oh, do we have it? Oh, let's try this one. Elon, you, you, you tweeted this thing about George Soros. Well, I'm looking for it because I want to make sure I quote it properly. But I mean, you know what you wrote, but... You basically, I said it reminds me of Magneto. This is like, you know, calm down, people. This is not like made a, like a pedal well, case s- out of it. <laughs> you, also, you, know, <laughs> you said he wants to erode the very fabric of civilization and Soros hates humanity. Like, when you do something like that, do you Yeah, think I think about, that's true. That's my opinion. Okay. But why share it? No. Why share it? He owns the most popular social media company in the world. And why share it? Why couldn't he share it? Why is he not allowed to share is, is George Soros off limits? You know, he's being charged with being an anti-Semite, and that's what they do. That's what the left does. That's what they do to, to cancel you out. If they don't like what you say, they accuse you of being a racist, or in this case, an anti-Semite. And they get away with it. And then suddenly people are cower. Oh, I, I, I can't say anything. The fact is that Soros is bad news for this country. You know why all those prisoners are out on the streets raping women, robbing banks, smash and go? Soros. Soros wants that. He wants America to be stabilized so that we'll agree to his globalist empire that he wants, where there's no such thing as borders, and we're all managed by a small elite. That's George Soros. He's a scourge. He's the problem. He goes in and destabilizes countries, and then he takes advantage of them by betting against economies in those countries. And he admitted in an interview that when he was young, he worked with the Nazis. It was about survival, and he has, he has no guilt or guile about turning in people to the Nazis in Hungary in the 30s. He admitted, George Soros, that he did it to survive. This is a guy who turned in his friends and his neighbors. He was a Nazi collaborator, a Nazi sympathizer. And who the hell does this guy, David Faber, believe he is in chiding Elon Musk because he shares an opinion that, by the way, millions of people happen to agree with. I share it, especially because, I mean, why share it when people who buy Teslas may not agree with you? Advertisers on Twitter may not agree with you. Um, why not just say, hey, I think this. You can tell me. We can talk about it over there. You can tell your friends. But why share it widely? I mean, uh, I, this is freedom of speech. I'm allowed to say what I want. You wanted. absolutely are. But I'm trying to understand why you do, because you have to know it's got a there, it puts you in, a, in the middle of a, the partisan divide in the country. It makes you a, a lightning rod. What, for- what a wimp. David Faber is a wimp. In other words, acquiesce to groupthink. Don't share your opinion. Might, you might upset a few people. That's why this guy's stuck in the middle of one hour, a name that nobody knows. You know, people today saying he's an anti-Semite. I don't think you are. I would have punched him in the face. If I was Elon Musk sitting there, I would have got up and walked right out of the room. That's exactly what I would have done. I wouldn't have taken it. Elon Musk, you know, he sat, he sat there and he took it. I'm telling you, man, this is just, uh, you know, open season on people who have, you know, expressions. Uh, the, 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 the group voice doesn't want to hear from you. Till next time, thanks for stopping by this edition of Speaking Out America.